When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hi, I'm Mike Judge, and you're listening to the Pantheon Network. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm Nick DiMatteo, and welcome to Season 6, Episode 12 of Music Is Not a Genre, MXG. Last week, uh, my G was a little sloppy, so I was trying to mm, really nail it this time and not hit the microphone again. Thank you, as always, for watching and listening. Uh, and as always, in the middle of this episode, you can see how you can support this. As we're starting a new year, this is the first episode of 2024. And as we're starting this year, I would love to have you on board at Patreon. Patreon.com slash music is not a genre. Uh, we're growing by leaps and bounds. Uh, and that kind of explains why I am doing this episode. The freewheeling catch-up machine... Ah, let's do that again. Take, I'm not editing this, by the way. The freewheeling catch-up machine number six... How well-known is well-known? So why am I doing a catch-up episode now? If you've been following along last few years, I do a catch-up episode usually mid-season at the end of the season. Uh, I believe I started this season with a catch-up episode because last season I ended with a celebration episode with friends and with family, with actually just family. Uh, um, And... I was going to wait until, you know, midway through this season to do another catch-up episode, but then something happened. My fan engagement and, and, and numbers just started to, to skyrocket, primarily because of a couple episodes, uh, and we're going to get to that very soon. And so what I realized was if I don't do a catch-up episode soon, I won't be able to catch up. It's going to be two hours of me reading fan comments. And as much as you might love that, if you're that fan, you may not because you have to wait to hear your comment. And so I thought this would be a better time to do this. And so, and, and why the subtitle? Why how well-known is well-known? Because most of what I'm talking about fits into the, the, that general theme, which is you're going to hear the names of bands and artists that you uh, you probably know. If you don't know, then you're either real young or you may need to consult your doctor. And what that and and yet you may not know what you think you know about those artists. 
So how well known are they? Really, you know them by name, you know one era or something like that, which by the way, next week's episode, which is all about there's no such thing as a heyday, talks about uh, eras and stuff like that and how that can be deceptive. But that's kind of the general theme of this is these artists are known, but how well known really are they? And the fans who have commented, lovely fans, kind of... uh, Prove that to me more than I could even prove it to myself. By the way, uh, as always, a uh, bonus episode for every main episode. If you go to patreon.com slash music is not a genre this week, the bonus episode is you, which means this. I'm not doing a bonus episode, but I am opening myself up to conversations one-on-one with anybody who is a Patreon member. So if you go to patreon.com slash music is not a genre, you can have a direct conversation with me uh, and you can join for free for starters. And uh, then it's pretty cheap after that. So give it give it some consideration. Let's get to uh, some comments here before I get into the to the meat uh, of the matter. Actually, the meat of the matter are the comments. First comment. Uh, my video of acoustic version uh actually it was a piano version of prince's mountains which i said oh it's a song you don't know that well so again how well known is well known you may know prince and kiss in 1999 and purple rain but do you know mountains uh, a guy on youtube richard alva 5850 said coming from a big prince fan like myself that wasn't too bad and that's a compliment smiley face and i think i said something like coming from an equally big prince fan i consider that a high compliment and uh, and i do and so thank you richard alva uh for back talk 2 which was my discussion with steve erickson on a second look at first albums uh, early career albums of artists that we may want to revisit uh this uh, again this is about prince Prince's early quarantine was for lots of reasons. Race, the content of the lyrics, uh, his his genre fluidity, his gender fluidity, at least, uh, you know, presentationally. Uh, and an artist, an artist, an artist blows up their paradigm to allow more ideas to come in. And I think that's something that I kind of missed when we were talking about how artists transition from early career stuff to mid and late career stuff. And that is there are artists who deliberately throw a wrench in the gears and break the mold that they, they themselves made so that they can allow more ideas to come in and to not be pigeonholed into doing one thing. I've done that several times uh, in my uh, career when I was just going under the name Nick and then I started Wreck and then I took a break to do movie music under the drop and and then you know 2020 is the weird objective where I went everywhere with all different genres but very in very specific ways and even more so with the upcoming album Kite to Camden where it's like all of that all at once uh, all or at least all on one album uh so Back Talk 2 is an episode worth revisiting as well. Number three, Wombats. Uh, a couple of things here. I neglected to mention in that episode that uh, about bands who are electro power pop, like the Wombats, like Wreck, uh, which there's a, you know, people who are only listening, my entire diorama is just uh, an old CD of mine, which I'm going to talk about a little bit later. It's uh, the, the featured song is on there. And uh, and that was sort of the start 
of my prime electro power pop years. Uh, I didn't mention that Duran Duran, huge electro power. Now, subsequently, I did an entire Duran Duran episode, and we are going to get to that big time later. But I think it would have been great if I had mentioned it during the Wombats episode, which, by the way, if you're a Duran Duran fan out there, and you may be because you're, you've really come through big time for music is not a genre, uh, go listen to the Wombats. You know, with an open mind, obviously, they're not going to be exactly like Duran Duran, but they're from Liverpool. They have that British mentality of uh, creating music. They are electro power pop in the way that Duran Duran has been for most of its career. I think you really enjoys enjoy them. Uh, I feel like the Wombats are kind of a mix of squeeze lyrics and Duran Duran style, if that makes any sense. And if you don't know squeeze, uh, shame on me for not telling you more about squeeze. I should do an episode on them. Uh, number four Beatles, uh, part eight, infinite, infinite influence about all the bands and music that were influenced by the Beatles. That melodic bass that McCartney didn't maybe didn't pioneer, but certainly brought to the fore uh, more than anyone else really before him and, and many others after became a huge part of punk and post-punk, and uh, there there were other specifics there. Also, uh, Danny Levitt said that he enjoyed that episode, and the reason that's worth mentioning is because he was a part of, uh, uh, for just a bit, a Beatles band, the one that we did the shows in in Florida, so thank you, Danny. Uh, Yin-Yang, my Yin-Yang episode. Uh, my good friend Steve Erickson, who's been on this show often, uh, pointed out that overexposure. So yin yang was the things you think you hate, you might actually love or whatever. Um, Steve pointed out that overexposure can make you hate something too, but that it doesn't happen as often now that uh, radio and MTV and other, you know, outlets like that are in decline or, you know, gone in a lot of ways because we have such targeted listening and and don't just casually listen to the radio or whatever. It's rare that we feel like a song is overplayed. Although, you know, if you go to enough stores or where they're just playing, you know, general music, you will hear a lot of the same songs, especially, you know, especially during certain seasons, let's just say. Uh, my Steve Rosen episode where I interviewed Steve Rosen, who wrote the book on Eddie Van Halen and his relationship with Eddie. I asked the question, how involved uh, was Eddie Van Halen in the music of Van Halen in general, beyond just being the guitarist? And Travis Lee 325 on YouTube said he was every bit of the music, every note, duh. And what I like about this is that clearly Travis Lee is a big fan of Van Halen and Eddie Van Halen. Uh, and, And what else I like about this is that because I did this episode with Steve Rosen and read the book and all of that and the bonus episode, which went deeper into Van Halen's career on patreon.com slash music is not a genre. I learned so much about Van Halen that I didn't know, even having grown up with a lot of their music. And it shows that that rabid fans like Travis Lee do know that. And so that was kind of cool. We're getting down to an area where it's going to get crazy. We're not there yet. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, 
Even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. So number seven is my episode on uh, Depeche Mode and New Order. Uh, a couple of comments here from people on YouTube. Uh, MagUp1SR on YouTube, which I do not believe that was their birth name, but maybe, said, uh, which was your favorite, I asked? Depeche Mode, of course. But without Vince Clark, there wouldn't be a Depeche Mode or Yaz or Erasure, for that matter. And... Two reasons I love that. One, somebody who knows music well, and thank you, MagUp1SR. But number two, uh, that was what my bonus episode was on for Depeche Mode and New Order was all about Vince Clark and how prolific Vince has been. And, and to not know that name and yet to know those big bands, Depeche Mode and New Order, um, um, Depeche Mode, Yaz, and Erasure, it's something you you would want to dive into, uh, the career of Vince Clark. Uh, Magup also said Depeche Mode and New Order spawned and inspired lesser known bands like C2Javu, Cause and Effect, Camouflage, Book of Love, Information Society, etc. The only one of those I ever heard of was Information Society. I used to play a song of theirs when uh, I was a DJ. And uh, the others I don't know I should look up because I I love that this person knows about them and has exposed me to the names of these bands. It's one of the things I like about this is discovering new stuff. Also mentioned The Cure was somewhat different from Depeche Mode in order due in part to The Cure staying uh, with mainly instruments as opposed to keyboards, just like The Smiths, but I digress. You do digress, Mag. What are you doing there? And I, I actually love that. And the, the the thing I want to point out there is that the cure predated Depeche Mode and New Order. So it's kind of you know hard to say they were influenced. In some ways, maybe Depeche Mode and Order were influenced by the cure, although maybe not. You know, all these British bands kind of pulled from some of the same kind of po- punk and post-punk uh, elements and influences. Uh, yeah. And The Cure did quite a bit with electronics as well, though you're right that they were primarily, you know, acoustic instruments. At Bright With Spirit on YouTube said, Regret is my favorite New Order song too. Uh, Depeche Mode is my favorite band overall. And I mean, that's cool because that's a kindred spirit, kindred Bright With Spirit, apparently, because as much as I love a lot of New Order's output, uh, Depeche Mode is still my favorite by a decent margin. And 
Regret from 93, which was kind of a comeback uh, song for them, is huge in my New Order listening catalog. There are actually quite a few songs that post-date Regret that I enjoy too, and it's something I always say, and when I talk about No Such Thing as a Heyday next week, I'll talk about how you're missing out on a lot of great music if you're a f- so-called fan of an artist, but you stop listening to them after their so-called heyday ended. There's a there's likely a lot of great music that they created after that. Uh, something super near and dear to my heart in these comments for this next episode, which is uh, George Winston, Death is Dumb 15. Uh, a couple of things. Ellen Marie Mitchell uh, reposted the episode on Facebook. Thank you so much for doing that. Reposts are golden uh, for people who do what I do. Uh, on YouTube, Jilly Lovett 7735 said that she was friends with George Winston from 1969 to the mid-1990s. He would play music for her over the phone on his acoustic guitar. If you don't know who George Winston is, an amazing piano player who recently died. So that blew me away. But she goes on to say he was heavily influenced, um, by, among others, by James Taylor, which I I believe I, I was it this year? I don't know. One season. Started out with an episode on James Taylor. I did a whole episode on James Taylor. So that's that's something to go and look up, which shows you what a big fan I am. But it's, I guess, no coincidence that I'm also a big fan of, of George Winston because there's some influence there. Uh, she loved the memorial episode I did on George uh, Winston. Uh, he, she said he played ballads and blues songs for her as he worked them out. So Ballads and Blues 1972 was George Winston's first official album and it wasn't released in 72 it was released many years later but while he was writing them i guess in the late 60s early 70s he would play the songs for her very cool uh the screen name or username on youtube john scott 3569 whose name is actually patrick hello patrick i hope you're watching this uh we've corresponded quite a bit and i've enjoyed it very much patrick said hi this whole episode is fantastic thanks Again, this is crazy. I was actually friends with George Winston. He was the kindest and smartest man I ever knew, and it feels so surreal that he passed away. George was in love with music and always up for giving advice about that and life. He actually passed from one form of cancer. The news release made it sound like he was battling a few kinds at once, but he'd had cancer three times before and beaten those. I miss him so much, but I'm glad he's resting now. Uh, Apparently, he was also Patrick's long-distance piano mentor, uh, Patrick uh, sent me some of his original music, uh, piano music, uh, great stuff. Uh, I recommend you, uh, hooking up with Patrick, maybe check out the George Winston episode and see the comments and comment through there and say hello to Patrick and find his music. You can hear the George Winston influence for sure in Patrick's music. Now he says he was his long distance piano mentor, but, but then he sent me a video of post-concert, I don't know when, fairly recently, George Winston standing in an auditorium watching Patrick play one of his original compositions and watching and listening attentively, which it just, again, shows you what a great guy he was and how in love with music he was. And that was one of the things I said to Patrick, which was that He's Patrick said he loved music so much. And I said, I, I said, moreover, I think he was in love with music. And I find that there's a difference between the two. I think almost everybody 
almost, not everyone, almost everyone loves music in one form or another. Some song that's special to them or band or era or whatever. But to be in love with music is a whole different thing. You feel a passion for the world of it and are kind of voracious for it. And that's whether you are a musician who doesn't create, a musician who does create originals, or just a listener. You can be in love with music. And I have had a sort of a sixth sense for knowing which artists are in love with music. And in fact, there's a pretty good chance that a lot of the artists that are on my heart artist list, which if you know MXG terms, it's an artist you can never live without, uh, are probably people who are in love with music. Uh, you know, I don't know. Look up the Heart Artist episode. You'll get to see the list and listen to me read it off. Next one, before we get to the magnum craziness here towards the end, and this one's somewhat crazy on its own, and that is, uh, this is comments on my uh, Death is Dumb episode on the Bee Gees. Quite a few of them, and quite a few views as well. Mary Mays 8846 on YouTube said, uh, yes, she really does know the Bee Gees. Um, nice, concise comment, and I'm glad you do, uh, but that means something, and you'll you'll hear what it means as I read off some of these comments, because it's way past disco. Willow4389 on YouTube said, Growing up in the 70s, as a tween, I first knew Andy Gibb. Then I became aware of the Bee Gees from the radio, starting with Nights on Broadway, which has remained a favorite. That is good. As early 70s, as I moved into my teens, I was into rock and wasn't a huge disco fan, so didn't really pay much attention to them after that, although it was hard to escape at the time. A couple of years ago, I stumbled upon some of their early work and went down the Bee Gees rabbit hole and have become an obsessed super fan. Sounds like me. I really enjoy all the eras. Disco era still isn't my favorite, but I do find I enjoy it more in context of their entire catalog. I completely understand. I love the variety no matter what mood I'm in. There, there, or no matter what mood I'm in, there is BG's music to enjoy. I have workout playlists and soul playlists and early 60s rock, country, folk, including some of the early Australia stuff, which is on YouTube. It's fun to see. Uh, and that's a great point about the BGs is that uh, they didn't just do one kind of music. I think main course and sizes and everything are tied for favorite album. Again, early 70s albums. But that is closely followed by Mr. Natural, same era. This is where I came in, which is much later, and Still Waters, I believe also much later. I also quite enjoy Life in a Tin Can, again, early 70s, when I'm in a folky mood. And each one of their albums had just such a different flavor. I think Horizontal is my favorite from the 60s, although BG's first might take that spot on some days. And I've just mentioned, what, six albums, seven albums? They're all different. They're all, in some ways, wildly different, in some ways, just shades of different... Then there's Cucumber Castle. Oh, heck, I guess it would be easier to talk about what I don't like, LOL. And if and if you ne- didn't know that the Bee Gees created an album, and I believe a song as well, called Cucumber Castle, you need to learn more. I think Harry Braff has to be my least favorite Bee Gees song. Okay, we disagree there. I enjoy Harry Braff. Um Gayla Lyles4095 on YouTube said, I didn't really know who the Bee Gees were until about five years ago. However, there were songs that I loved over the years that I just move that just moved me like no other. I was totally surprised to realize that these songs were written and or sung by the Bee Gees. For example, I loved to love somebody. How deep is your love? When the songs from Barbara Streisand and Barry Gibb came out in 1980 and 1981, I was hooked and bought the the uh the guilty album still didn't know who barry gibb was 
But the songs were almost hypnotic. And those of you who don't know, it was a period when Barry Gibb in particular and the Bee Gees in general were writing songs for other artists. Um, somewhat because they had always done that, but partly because this was the disco backlash and they were still finding ways to create music, kind of an end run around that. I love their 1980 songs written for Kenny Rogers, but still didn't know the Bee Gees wrote them. Yeah. Islands in the Stream. Finally, uh, I researched these songs. Thanks to YouTube, I finally saw them sing all the songs I love. I've been a huge Bee Gees fan ever since. I'm in awe of their immense talent, passion, and their humility. They were truly a class act. Barry is a living legend and a cut above most artists. You should watch the documentary. Laura Vetteretti, 1323 on YouTube, said, I love everything they did from the very beginning. I remember when they broke up in 1969, which is true. Robin left... There was an album where it was just two of them, Amaris and uh, Barry, which if you're not a Bee Gees fan, and I guess I wasn't till recently, it's not Maurice, it's Morris. Um, uh, when I just turned nine years old in 1969, my least favorite of their incarnations is actually the 76, 79 disco era, which is cool because, you know, for everybody else, that's all they know. They had, a fan- they had fantastic songs in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s that are criminally underrated. I agree. If I had to choose, I would say I love the 67 to 74 music because it is more pure, less bells and whistles, but Main Course is their best album as far as I'm concerned. Uh, hard to argue with that. I think it's one of my faves, and that era is pretty awesome. Barry and Robin were the face, but Morris was the glue. His death was the end. Sadly, I miss what could have been. And I always thought that Morris was the glue. It seemed like the kind of the quieter one, but there was something going on there that made him essential. Uh, And the fact that Robin was more of a face than anybody realizes something you should look at because his performance is... uh, dynamic and at times kind of funny uh lenny prof on youtube said bg's been around my whole life i love them but i love them even more when they changed their style to r&b soul and started falsetto which not everyone agrees with i love that you love that they were like angelic voices to my ears and i don't even like two high notes <laughs> my youth was the way the way the high notes are done from varying vocalists that make the difference my youth was spent in an eastern european country where Western music wasn't allowed, but there were few exceptions and Bee Gees were one of them. You can't buy an album, but we found all kinds of ways to get our hands on good music. At that time, every macho had to have records of them. Macho man, I guess, if he wanted to make a certain atmosphere. I understand what he's saying. How deep is your love is forever related to my first love. Unfortunately, their phenomenal success was their drama. And in some ways, their downfall, at least in the States. Bee Gees were never disco to me. Donna Summer and Boney M were disco, which if you don't know Boney M, that means you're not from Europe. Uh, But in some of my research for disco, huge in Europe for many years even after. If they were stuck in the past, critics would say they're not evolving. But when they change in step with new music and are top, it's still not good. All artists go through that, except ones who are beyond uh, media reproach, uh, which some get there. It seems some music labels didn't like their chart dominance and downplayed their talent on purpose. I didn't know that. Wouldn't surprise me, though. Music labels can be pretty trashy. I'm glad they proved it through other artists, which is what the other woman said about them writing music for others. I remember gloating when they were back on top with Barbra Streisand, which I get that. I love it when an artist falls away uh, from the media and gets in some ways demonized or just forgotten and then comes back. That's always fun for me. That's part of what next week's episode is about. U.S. 
The U.S. owes Sir Barry Gibb a big apology and better do it while he's still alive. R.I.P. Andy Morrison Robin, which of course is why I made it a Death is Dumb episode. Uh, I I do think, and I don't know if it necessarily is an apology, but a revisiting of the music that they did pre and post disco would be great for the U.S. Uh, I think some people are doing that already. Uh, as we know, we have a small community here doing that. Hopefully that will extend more and more and more and more because there's way more Bee Gees music out there. That's honestly, it would blow you away how diverse it is. And just check out my episode on the Bee Gees and you'll, you'll hear and see why. And I think because we're getting into a kind of a crazy uh, final-ish section of this episode, this is a good time to take a break. So stay tuned for my lovely mid and mid roll announcement, as we call it, and please uh, patronize the various things that I mentioned there, and the and go to my website nickdomadio.com and check out all the other stuff I do, and we'll be back in a few minutes. Hey, so I was going to do the usual and just list all of the links that I'd love for you to check out, but I realized that everything you need to know and everywhere you need to go is at nickdomadio.com. That really is the hub. I list all the links in every episode just in case, but nickdomadio.com is where I put everything that I do. If you want to know more about this podcast, whether it's the audio version or the YouTube version at youtube.com slash app music is not a genre or wherever else the podcast shows up, or if you want to support the podcast at patreon.com slash music is not a genre just go to nickdomadio.com it's all there if you want to check out my full discography of original music and covers for my band rec rec and beyond it's at nickdomadio.com including all the streaming and social links for wherever you listen to music and wherever you check out your sosh uh, my acting clips are there my voiceover clips are there graphic design my blog and most especially it's the best place to contact me if you go to nickdomadio.com slash contact or just hit the contact is on every single page you can send me a note say hello ask me any questions you'd like you get a newsletter a few times a month and if you have a project of your own and need work done for it whether it's audio editing or music or voiceover or graphic design or if you have an event and you need live music go to nickdomadio.com contact me say hello let me know what you need i'd love to hear from you Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. All right, we're back. Did you listen to that mid-roll? I ask this every now and then because I'm a podcast listener more than I have ever been, really. I'm still not, I wouldn't say, voracious for podcasts. That's more, I'm more of a TV guy. But I do listen to quite a few uh, now, including Tech Talk with Tim and Ted. And what I have started doing is leaving the commercials on while I'm listening, especially if I'm like doing dishes or working out or whatever, partly because I don't want to go over there and hit that, you know, fast forward button several times, but also because there's a reason why those commercials are there. They're there to help support the podcast. So if you didn't listen or watch, you know, that mid roll, uh, please just go back a little bit and check out what I'm talking about. It's really short and there's some valuable information there. Uh, and I would appreciate your support. So let's get to there's a couple, you know, sections left in this uh, uh, podcast. Uh, one is uh, the comments I'm going to jump into right now, and then it's uh, the featured song and the questions and how I always end every podcast and I'll talk about the bonus episode or lack thereof. The reason why I'm mentioning this is because this next section of comments uh, is larger than all of the other comments sections combined and larger than any other comment section of any uh, video I've ever done on YouTube. 
And again, if you're just listening, youtube.com slash at music is not a genre. You get to see every single one of these episodes and uh, and see uh, what uh, parts of my face don't have makeup, which would be all of it. And this case, this is now a short of two uh, videos that I threw up there a few years ago that featured my voiceover work uh, for Ozempic and Indeed. Indeed.com. This is now the most played video on uh, my YouTube channel, uh, which as of this recording has well over uh, 2,000 views, which for someone, you know, over my level is pretty great, as well as uh, a ton of new subscribers. Please do subscribe on YouTube. Uh, it's becoming a really fun place and fun family. So I'd love to have you there. And the episode I'm talking about is the one on Duran Duran. And there's something I have to say uh, about it that was the first thing I thought of because I'm, I, I, you know, I do an episode and then I'm like, ah, I should have said that. You know, there was some old SNL skit and I don't remember who the, who the co-star was for that, the host, where they, there was like a phone booth or bathroom that was a time machine that would take you back like, you know, a minute, just one minute. So that way, if... You, there was something funny you wanted to say in conversation, but you didn't do it. You could go back and do it. I need one of those, uh, especially for the podcast. So what I wanted to say was in, in it was as if in 1993, Duran Duran figured out how to say important things with with both weight and sugar, uh, because there were certainly important things that were said in previous songs of theirs, uh, like Arcadia, which for my money, I found lyrically somewhat ponderous, a little over the top, but a lot of that kind of 80s and late 80s especially was like that, and other Duran Duran songs, but they really hit a sweet spot in 93 with the wedding album, or just Duran Duran, and then of course the subsequent, uh, you know, mentions of uh, political and social issues, they were, they had hit their stride. And from the, you know, for the next 30 years, they've done a great job doing that. Let's get to fans now. Uh, Demetrius, Demetrius Sotakis, 1486. Uh, you can thank me for mispronouncing your name when you send me another message. Agrees that Medazalan is a unique album. And the dudes from Athens, Greece, hello. Two things about that. First of all, I love that you're from Greece and that you're watching this uh, this podcast. I love that you commented. So I guess three, three, four things. I love that you love Medazalan. That gets mentioned a lot in these comments. It's one that is uh, underrated. One of my favorites. And apparently a lot of other Duran Duran fans' favorites as well. But the fourth reason I like it is because, if you don't know, my band is named Rec, R-E-C. And I created that name a long time ago, uh, prior to there being a need for any online presence, et cetera, et cetera, or ways to search. Subsequent to that, a band in Greece named themselves Rec as well. And although there are a couple of other here and there I've seen, you know, on streaming services and elsewhere, uh, artists named Rec, which is understandable. It's a good name. Uh, the one that rises to kind of the amount of work I've done, et cetera, et cetera, the only one is the one from Greece. So, uh, Dimitri, do you know this band, Rec, from Greece? All right. Tim Chandler, 4688 on YouTube, said, After Astronaut, they started to record an album with Andy called Reportage, or Reportage, I don't know. They gave it to the record label, and the record label uh, hated it. 
Uh, Andy left. That was one of the times he left, and it was shelved. Word is the next album is going to be that. Now, I don't know if it's that album, that material, or they're just going to call it reportage or reportage and have new material or a combination. I love that rumor because I don't pick up on a lot of that stuff online. I'm not somebody who does a lot of trolling or whatever, and and, uh, I don't read a ton of other people's comments um, unless we're having a conversation like we are here. So thank you for that information. Uh, Lan E-N-L-M on YouTube said, great podcast. All you need is now tops, tops my list for favorite Duran Duran album after Rio, which by the way, favorite spelled O-U. So I believe that you are from Britain maybe or, or were from Britain. And that's awesome because of course, one of my all time favorite music countries, maybe my favorite man who stole a leopard girl panic and before the rain are brilliant. Girl Panic and Black Moonlight feed my soul. I love that. And I'm going to say this. And there's a little like laughy with the sweat. I don't I don't really know what that means. Uh, I'm going to say this. I love the passion for any kind of music. I am a Duran Duran fan. I, I would never call myself a rabid Duran Duran fan. I had to catch up with probably 70, 80%, probably 80% of their music when I did that episode. So you can't call me that rabbit of a fan. But I understand that feeling of certain songs feeding your soul. And the fact that you chose Black Moonlight, which is from their new album, which by the way, if you missed it, I did a full review of Duran Duran's new album on my uh, two podcasts ago, Quick Takes from the Continuum number four. I talked about Dance Macabre. Check it out. But I love that and I understand it. Ron Farney 6477 on YouTube said, been a diehard fan since 1981, now 55, and and I've seen them 73 times live. Uh, I think they still make great albums and love the new one. Uh, I agree with that last part wholeheartedly. I have seen them almost 73 times. I think I'm about 73 short. So uh, I need some, I need to catch up. I mean, one would be great. I believe they're touring again in the States. So that would be fun. I mean, shoot, you know, my wife and her sister saw Tears for Fears recently. Why can't we go see Duran Duran, right? All right. Joseph Manzuni, 8593, uh, said, Reportage uh, was rejected by the record label because it came out during the Iraq war and the songs were rather political. Oh, gee, censorship. And he wasn't too happy with the label dumping it. So this is great. It's fleshing out what the other guy said. But also the band had got sick of the label by then and eventually switched labels. Good for them. Don't let labels push you around. But I don't let labels push me around. But it is often said that Reportage is less electronic and more rock heavy, which was more to Andy's taste. Uh, It's also more like Medazalan, which is one of my favorites. Although I love their electronic stuff. How could I not? doing electro power pop the band had mentioned that they plan to relook into reporters after dance macabre so maybe in another two years you might hear it why not i just spent a year revisiting old material doing reissues and stuff like that and i plan uh, in a couple years uh, hence to do uh, unreleased uh, old material as well but uh, this year is all about a new rec album and new material but i understand as an artist being like well this is stuff that should have been heard Let's get it out there. Uh, Suzanne Corona 6098 YouTube. Great review. Been a fan since 83. I too love Red Carpet Massacre. 
which I guess I said in that episode, there's so much I said that I forget, but that I believe was one of my top albums for the, of them. Kimberly Hendren, 2097. Love Duran Duran, 40-year fan. Their induction to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is vindication for all the years critics panned them. And I talk, I talk about that. They are finally getting the respect they so richly deserve. Thank you for this podcast topic. You're welcome, first of all, and thank you for your message. And also, yeah, another uh, person on YouTube was talking about how they always felt um, that they were given short shrift when it came to their musicianship and songwriting, that they were just seen as a pop band. And I think now they're getting their due, and they have been for a few years, and I think that's great. Honestly, I fell into that trap, which is why, as it dawned on me that Duran Duran kept popping up in my mind for various reasons, I realized there was more to them than that, and hopefully others will too. Alexio Verdo 5225 on YouTube. All You Need Is Now is a fine album. Sound-wise, I'm, in, in my opinion, a bridge between their debut Duran Duran and Rio, which is kind of cool and maybe one of the reasons why I like it so much. Had attended their All You Need Is Now tour, and it was fab. I feel Duran Duran are the Rolling Stones of pop. That's a great way to put it, to be honest, because they've been around over 40 years. They've been consistently putting out material. They do good you know, good vocals, good songwriting, the whole thing. They're a real band. They're, not, again, not just a, a pop band with you know somebody playing tracks behind them. Raymond Sitterly, Raymond Sitterly 3988 on YouTube. I've been a fan for 40 years, so underrated, all because they were too good looking. And I completely agree with that. That's something I talked about with uh, uh, someone else down the line here. They have written so many great songs, songs that only true fans have heard. And now the boss of Glastonbury won't let them play on the main stage. No offense to the amazing groups, the Pet Shop Boys, Blondie, etc. have all been invited to play. Duran Duran are amazing live, better than most, as Simon's voice gets stronger, as most group singers of the same time warp 80s have lost their power. And I mean, I agree with that. Um, I don't know about the second part because I don't know all those vocalists that well, but Simon's voice is as strong as ever. You know, there are certain artists, you you love that they're getting into their 60s, 70s, 80s, and their voices are as strong as ever. I said that about uh, Dolly Parton in my Podfast episode and a couple of others. Uh, anyways, Merry Christmas to all. Stop all war. Saw them 37 times live. I kind of wish those comments were reversed. Uh, uh, 37 times is a lot. That's amazing. You're a great fan. Uh, I, I agree with Stop All War, and thank you for the holiday wishes, even though this is airing in January. So let's just pretend uh, you meant it for 2024 as well. Hey, folks. Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. 
1975. My sister and I have been fans since the 80s. We actually went to see them this year, which would be 2023, at the Hydro in Glasgow. Great concert with Jake Shears from Scissor Sisters and young up-and-coming singer called Tia backing them. That's cool, Mix. One of the most successful early 80s bands to be successful beyond the 1980s. Very true, and they aren't often given credit for that. The suits that they wore in the video for Is There Something I Should Know and Rio were the only ones that the boys had at the time. They were quite poor when they started. Arcadia is also good, too. A lot of people like Arcadia more more than I do, which I think is cool. Um, You know, this is a good point. Uh, there were a couple good points there. First of all, is there something I should know? Uh, that title bears repeating because I was talking to a guy who uh, the only song he knew from Duran Duran was Hungry Like the Wolf. And I would be mentioning all of these other songs like Rio and Reflex and Please, Please Tell Me Now. Is there something I should know? No, no clue. So there's something you should know, just so you know that. What I like about this other company, they were quite poor when they started, is that uh, if you watched any of the uh, the, the, the the Wham! Uh, George Michael documentaries, you find that they always had this look, at this, especially early on, where they were kind of chic, but in a sporty way. And it's made them seem like kind of young, rich dudes. They weren't. They were playing at it. I didn't know. I I mean, I, I knew that Duran Duran weren't rich, but I but I did never dawn on me to realize, oh, these like stylish shoot, suits, that's all they could afford. You know, which I think is awesome that they were able to pinpoint it that quickly. Pitt Panousis, 78, said they split officially after Live Aid and not before Live Aid. They had their side projects and at the time were still together as Duran Duran. Things fizzled after Live Aid and Andy left and then Roger and yeah, we know that. And they did the Power Station and the others, you know, and so pretty interesting stuff and good worth listening to. Uh, Johnny Skinner, 9944. Brilliant career review. Thank you, Johnny. Agree and many po- agree on many points, not so much about on others. I love that. I'd be scared if everybody agreed on everything or even one person did. But hey, I think the most important thing is people who understand music, who play music and have a musical way in them, as many people just don't, really like or love Duran. And that's the most important thing to me. And it's I, it's one of the most important things to me, too, because I do come at this from a musician. I always say I'm a music insider, and that's the, one of the things that makes music is not a genre. M-X-G, forget it, different. Uh, and, and the fact that you can be that type of a music insider and even not be a musician, people who are in love with music again, I think is key. And I... And when you are a musician and other musicians like what you do, that's huge. Uh, I have found through my career that other musicians I work with really love what I do, which gives me a full heart because you understand that there are people out there who understand where you're coming from. And to know that Duran Duran were way more, you know, musical than people give them credit for. Uh, continuing with the Johnny's comment, Duran forever, and I mean that in terms of in a hundred years' time, like all major, massive, influential bands, artists, or uh, 150, maybe 200 years, Duran songs will be played and enjoyed, and being a massive part of music history. Uh, I want to agree with that. I, I, you know, I guess time will tell, and I hope it's true. Uh, JCYZ1SF from YouTube. Yep. I took a break from them after their tour for Big Thing until around 1995. I missed the wedding album tour and didn't really get into Thank You, which was their covers album. 
I ended up getting into those albums, I think around 98 or so. I was instead at the time following John Taylor's solo career, which I know very little about. I have his solo work and saw him play live at Maxwell's and the Count Basie Theater. Wow, that's very cool. I was back and full on board in 2002 and three to 2006, but I slipped back out from 2007 on. Even though I bought Red Carpet Massacre and I recently got All You Need Is Now, but I like so much of it. So we're similar. We're actually not that similar in terms of history because I didn't bounce back in until very recently. But the idea of bouncing back in, very similar. I'm still so pissed at myself for missing the run of shows in 2008 in NYC. So another dude from NYC, hello. Then I dropped off the wagon and didn't come back full again until 2020. That's kind of like me. Now I'm back in like it was 1984, and I love that, and I know how you feel. Debbie Burris, 9453, said, Hi, new here. Seen a couple good things in your channel. So I subscribed. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you for watching. Though I feel I need more time to think about your ultra pop question, which I appreciate that. The first band before the cars would be Japan, and that's the ultra meaning electro power pop, power pop, whatever. I didn't know Japan. I'm going to have to look them up, who just happened to influence Duran Duran. Another reason to look them up. Well, maybe not that much, but pretty close. Uh, I, I need to see that because I mentioned uh, first power pop band I thought was the Cars. Apparently, Japan predates them. Uh, I'd love to know more about that. First electro power pop. Sorry. There were, there were other power pop bands before the Cars. Uh, I saw Duran Duran live twice in 2022 and twice in 2023. I'm also uh, also still... Uh, I also saw the Rock Hall induction, uh, wasn't in New York or at least Ohio, still salty, she said. So salty, I guess a little mad, but I'm thoroughly grateful they are in. Yes. Yeah, come on. Half the rock and roll inductions in New York or Cleveland. My son goes to school in Cleveland. Great topic for a podcast. Thank you again. Larry Parks, 1520. Nice review. His top five, first through fifth in that order. So I guess that's easy, likes the early stuff, but I like aspects of all the others. I did really enjoy Medazzaland, even without JT. Um, so happy to see they're still killing it. Mr. Hitchens on this says, I'm your 220th subscriber. I hope your channel takes off to the stratosphere. Thank you. That's such a nice personal message. And uh, now I have well over 220. So you've been a part of that. Video Benny 3. Good review. Duran Duran fan since 85. Favorite songs from recent album. Future Past. Falling. An Anniversary. Paper Gods. What Are the Chances? And Title Track. All You Need Is Now. Mediterranean. Mediterranean. And Leave a Light On. Red Carpet Massacre. Falling Down. And Night Runners. Astronaut. What Happens Tomorrow and Finest Hour. Pop Trash. Playing with Uranium. And Title Track. Medazalan. Be My Icon. Thanks again for the review of my favorite band. Laban Ron. I always put Medazalan at number one. Wow. So I love, I saw this more and more and I was like, I didn't know I hit a vein from the first day I heard it in 1997. Thank you, Laban Ron. Carlos, uh, Allen, Carlos Allen Duran, four, six, three, zero, one of two people to point out that too shy by Kajagugu, too shy to shy, hush, hush, how do I, was produced by Nick Rhodes and Colin Thurston. Nick Rhodes, of course, from Duran Duran, Colin Thurston was, um, a Durander and producer. Anthony Gilbreth, 4275, Medazalan is genius, definitely top three for me. Rodrigo Valero Sancho, 2234. TV Mania got an album called Bored with Prozac and the Internet. Very electronic and experimental. I need to check that out. Also, Nick Rhodes and Stephen Duffy in the 2000s made a side project based on their early stuff, The Devils. Very retro. See, all these side projects are hard to keep up with. Quite good, both in my opinion. 
Also, Duran Duran are famous for their B-sides and bonus tracks, some of them better than many cuts of their official releases. Releases. A lot of people have pointed that out, and thank you for sending me those. Very interesting video, and I agree about Medazalan. Warren Cucurullo, who played in Frank Zappa's Joe's Garage, was an amazing contributor. I, I don't know much about him still, but a lot of people have mentioned Warren Cucurillo, so somebody to look into. Tom Torres, 212, great episode. As a diehard DD fan since the mid-'80s, I also think Medazalan is vastly underrated in one of their best albums. His top five, Duran Duran, 81. Uh, so Red the Rose, Arcadia. Medazalan, Notorious, and Rio. Uh, not my top five, but I love that they're yours. Burning Two Bridges, I love that you listen to the entire discography. That's what I do now. I, when I started, I didn't do that, and it really kind of sucked a lot of the uh, information and joy out of the, the podcasts, and, and uh, it just makes sense to do it. I call it a chronography when I listen in order to uh primary discography of an artist personal favorites careless memories new religion seventh stranger do you believe in shame last day on earth man who stole a leopard pressure off album wise rio first duran duran future past medazalan uh ruben rioja six four four three of you my top albums based on my nostalgic memory of discovering the albums with the actual quality of the overall albums we we have to do that especially if we live them firsthand. My overall top three are separated by a razor-thin margin, but Duran Duran 81, Rio, and Medazaland, wow. Big thing, and All You Need Is Now. I love All You Need Is Now as well. I view Arcadia's Duran Project more so than Power Station. Makes sense. Makes sense both in sound and in, in personnel. So Red the Rose by then would be number four if I included it. Christian uh, Martinson, 461, Double D's always evolved. I'm 59 and been a huge fan since my sophomore year in high school. Go Duran! Also said, Wild Boys is an awesome, awesome video, which it is, and Arcadia was great. Kerry Lake, 4751. Well, this goes to show why music is so awesome. You and I listened to the exact same albums and came to almost completely opposite opinions. And yeah, I do love that. My top five in chronological order, because I really can't choose, Duran Duran, Rio Notorious, The Wedding Album, and Astronaut. Pop Trash was almost unlistenable. Interesting. Red Carpet Massacre sounded more like Timbaland and Justin Timberlake than it did Dee Dee. Now, listen, I don't mind that. A lot of artists do that and don't do it well, try to be modernized. They did it well. I'm glad they've gone back to, you know, an amalgam of their older sound and new stuff as well. But that doesn't bother me because I follow new music and I love new music as much as old. Uh, Liberty and Medazzling were just okay. So we do disagree, but that's cool. The recent albums, I like Future Past the best. And I actually prefer... All You Need Is Now and or Dance Macabre. And then Liz Nunya Biz or Nunya Liz. We're in a conversation right now. I can't even continue all of it, but thank you so much for everything you have contributed and for opening up this conversation to so many things, even beyond Duran Duran. Uh, this, this is a good comment. I know the fans think they aren't, but in their interviews, they would consistently be asked how they felt about all the bashing by critics and them not being considered as serious musicians, mostly in the U S yeah. And then she, and then she gave me tons of other facts. I didn't run across uh, and videos and side, you know, information and all of that. Again, thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't thank you enough. Uh, more from Liz Nunyabez. Uh, Rio, all you need is now our top faves. Then uh, struggle to rank. First album, uh, seven in the Ragged Tiger. I think that's what it was. Uh, the wedding album, Bedazzleland and Paper Gods. Great choices. Uh, more from Liz Bowie tribute five years from 2021 which i had never seen or uh, it was great it was great uh michael you've got a lot to answer for which is from a which i 
remember listening to that song, didn't know it was about Michael Hutchins. And I mentioned to her that same, around the same year, Stuck in a Moment You Can't Get Out of from U2, also about Michael Hutchins. So they were all friends uh, in various ways. And yeah, it was a big loss for them. And I'll just say real quick again, Liz has commented way more, knows a ton about Duran Duran, and I just can't fit it all into this episode. Which brings me to the next uh, featured song. Behind you, for those of you watching, you see my my album, What It Is. It's an EP. I recently remastered it and reissued it, so it is now streaming everywhere. The title song, What It Is, is one of my hits, quote unquote, whatever. It's uh, people's one of people's favorite songs of mine, and it's still uh, quite a favorite. And I chose it for a couple reasons. One, I can't believe I hadn't chosen it before. Uh, it's It's been ever present in my life since I recorded it and released it. Uh, two, it falls right in line with the theme of this episode, which how which is how well-known is well-known. My music and Rex music played all over the world. I get quite a lot of streams for certain songs and some covers, some originals and etc. cetera. Uh, but I would venture to say you don't know Rex. You don't know my music. And most people walking down the street wouldn't. But there's a chance you might have heard it and didn't know it. And, you know, I think that's kind of goes right to the point of how well known is well known. It's everywhere. It's played. It's been played a couple million streams, whatever it is overall from various sources, I'll say. And uh, yet nobody would know the name, Um, but that's okay. People are enjoying it. Bonus episode again is you. There is no bonus episode. It is you coming to patreon.com slash music is not a genre. Just go there for free just so I can see your face or talk to you or whatever it is or be a part of the family. And then if you're interested in the bonus content I provide, and I actually did uh, Ordinary World on acoustic guitar, which only my Patreon people get to see, uh, then you can stick around for uh, as little as $5 a month. Uh, that's that's the bonus episode so-called for this if you're if if you're one of those, these are the questions. If you're one of those people who commented, again, thank you. I love that you're commenting. It's why I do this. It's why I say at the end of every episode. If not, here's what I want to know as we start a new year. What topic would you like me to tackle in 2024 that you would comment on, that you would enter into a conversation with? Because I'm open to all kinds of music. Music is not a genre. That's why I do this. That's why I do the kind of show I do. And I, and I would love to know more about what you want to hear. Uh, stay tuned in a couple seconds for the featured song, What It Is. I think you're going to love it. It's, it's also honestly one of my personal favorites. And thank you, as always, for watching and listening. My objectives here are music, conversation, and connection. I'll talk to you next week.
painful things The things that feel so wrong They keep me holding on It's a scratch in my throat from the air I'm breathing It's a catch in my throat from the air I'm wheezing It's a song in my head I can't stop singing It's a sound in my ear and it won't stop ringing It's a pain everywhere It won't stop beating It's I'm getting larger in the air and smaller It's a gun in my hand Makes me harder and I know it's coming 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 When I touch it When I feel it When I know what it is What it is What it is When I touch it When I feel it When I know what it is What it is What it is When I touch it When I feel it When I know what it is 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 And God In my hands It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 